Welcome back to Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife. I'm your host, Amy Kennedy, and this is my story. This is the second part of a two-part series on the story of the prophet Elijah, which is found in 1 Kings. If you remember in my last podcast, I shared the story of how the prophet Elijah was firm in his belief in God and what God would do through him. Elijah knew that King Ahab and Queen Jezebel's attempts to force the people of God to worship false gods was a manipulation to keep the people blinded from the truth that Jezebel was planning to kill as many of the prophets of God as she could. She intentionally brought in religions that met the flesh needs of the people so they couldn't see their spiritual guides, their prophets were being eliminated. Their flesh was being satisfied while they were ignoring the greater picture of what was going on. This is exactly what happens to us when we seek to only satisfy our flesh and we ignore our spirit and the promptings of God. Eventually, the spirit dies. And we are left only with the consequences of death by seeking our flesh. Elijah never once doubted God's power to show himself and to rid the land of all the false prophets. But we do see in 1 Kings that he was extremely exhausted and overwhelmed with a belief that he was the only prophet left after Queen Jezebel's terrorizing campaign to kill all the prophets of God. He was discouraged and he felt outnumbered by the prophets of Baal and Asherah. While Elijah never doubted that God would win in the display of sending down fire from heaven in front of all the Israelites to lap up the altar and the sacrifice on it, he did doubt that he would survive. And he was exhausted. After God sent the miraculous fire from heaven, Elijah commanded the people to kill all 450 prophets of Baal who were being cared for by Jezebel. While the people killed the false prophets, Elijah went up to Mount Carmel and put his head between his knees. I find Elijah's posture in this scripture especially telling of his physical and mental state. When we feel dizzy, we're often told to put our head down between our knees to increase circulation to our brains. This posture is said to raise blood flow to the heart and the brain. God had just performed a miracle through Elijah, which I am sure made him feel exhausted and faint. But we can't dismiss the fact that Elijah regularly mentions in this set of scriptures that the number of the false prophets of Baal and Asherah was far larger than he himself. And he does mention that he believes he's the only prophet of God left. Elijah felt alone and discouraged, even while God was performing incredible miracles for him. And through him. I also pointed out in my last lesson 
that when the rain came to heal the drought that devastated the land for seven years, God built miraculous strength in Elijah, who ran all the way back to Jezreel ahead of King Ahab's horse and chariot. Now, I know I have recently felt the discouragement and fear that I believe Elijah was dealing with here. Decisions for my health and my future were made by other people without my consent on several areas of my life last year and earlier this year. The decisions made by other people without my consent caused me more physical, emotional, and spiritual pain than I have ever been in. I have been confused. I have felt desperate and I have felt very alone. I tried to fight some of the decisions that were being made without my consent, but my physical health and the pain of my emotional well-being sapped me of all of my strength to even fight. So I just let these things happen, believing that God has a greater plan for my life. I remember one time in Northern Illinois, I was driving on a very slippery road while the snow was coming down super hard and it was very windy. As I was driving in these very, very poor conditions on a two lane road out in the middle of nowhere, a semi passed me from the opposite direction. I don't even know why the semi was on that road. Shouldn't have been because it was such a narrow, small, old road. Uh, but the semi was going too fast coming down a hill and um, sprayed my windshield with slush. And uh, I was very fearful for my life. It was a very scary moment. And I lost total control of my little Dodge and started fishtailing all over the place. I could not control the steering wheel. I had no strength to fix the situation that I was in. And the decision of whether I lived or died was completely out of my hands at that point. So I let go of the steering wheel. I closed my eyes and I prayed, Jesus help. I eventually came to a stop down in a low ditch, literally feet from a telephone pole. This is how I felt with all of my health and personal situations for almost exactly a year. And in February this year, I let go of the wheel. I closed my eyes and I prayed, Jesus help. Believe me when I say Elijah's situation was very present on my mind. Each time I wanted to give up and give in to the devastating things that were happening all around me. While Elijah never doubted that God had the power to heal the land by sending the much needed rain, and he never doubted God's ability to send fire down from heaven to lap up the altar, he did doubt whether or not God would save him. He knew God was God and there is no other, but his exhaustion in the fight against Ahab and Jezebel, wore him down to the point where he just wanted it all to end. He believed he was alone and he believed he was going to die. 
so he ran for his life. He did not run ahead of a chariot and horses like the wind, as he had done with the power of God after the rain came. No, he ran for his life into the wilderness to get as far away from Jezebel's wrath as possible. And this is seen in 1 Kings chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He drank and he ate and then he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up. And he ate and he drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And this is the part of the story that really speaks to me personally. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint 
Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah knew that Obadiah, that I mentioned last week, was a righteous man who served under King Ahab. What he didn't know is that in 1 Kings 18, Obadiah saved 100 prophets from Jezebel's murderous rampage. He hid them 50 to a cave and provided them with food and water. Elijah felt alone, and that made him feel defeated. But God had never left him alone. God provided a way for his message to endure with or without Elijah. In fact, God had never left Elijah alone. Not only were the 100 prophets spared from the killing spree, but God had also reserved to himself 7,000 people in Israel who never gave in to the sinful flesh-seeking religions of Baal and Asherah. They never bowed down to Baal as was ordered, and they never kissed his statue. Their hearts remained pure for God. There are many lessons I know I have learned from this incredible story of the prophet Elijah. And his story is so much bigger and deeper. And God did so many more miracles, even after Elijah ran from Jezebel. I do hope you'll take the time on your own to study this incredible biblical character and ask God to reveal to you how his life is relevant to your story right now and the lessons you can learn from it. The lessons I've learned from this amazing prophet are depression is a real thing and is often born out of desperate circumstances that we go through. Even the greatest prophets of God throughout the Bible suffered from times of depression. Elijah had just performed incredible acts of bravery, miracles, and unbelievable physical strength only to suffer deep depression and want to die. His depression was so great that he told God he had had enough and God granted him his desire to be finished by having him anoint the prophet Elisha in 1 Kings 19 verses 19 through 21. And Elisha's story is even more incredible in a lot of ways than Elijah's. And it is in this new prophet of God who we see the story of God taking Elijah up in a chariot of fire to heaven. And by witnessing this, Elisha received a double portion of the blessing that God had laid upon Elijah. This is found in 2 Kings chapter 2, and it's another story that you really need to read for yourself. While Elijah was in fear for his life, he never stopped believing that God was totally in control. He obeyed God and walk the path that God laid out for him, despite his fear and his deep depression. There's so much for me to learn from this at this specific moment in my life. 
I am personally going through a lot of changes that are transitioning me from the life I had and the life I believed I would have for my future into an unknown territory. And it's frightening. I've always been a planner and I had a specific idea of what my future looked like and what I felt I was entitled to. Now I have no idea what will happen in a month, a year, or even into retirement. I am utterly and completely dependent on God alone for every single provision. Some may say that is exciting and invigorating. Frankly, I find it horrifically frightening. However, even I have to admit there is a true curiosity in me to see what my story is going to look like once I get through this time of transition. Finally, and I hesitate to cast any judgment on this great prophet of God who I deeply admire, but I would be remiss if I didn't point out that Elijah, in his belief that he was alone and in his depression, believing he was going to be killed by Jezebel, told God that he was done. You'll notice that he never said he was done believing in God. He wasn't at a crisis in his faith of deciding whether or not to keep believing in God. He had reached his point emotionally when the work God had done through him was too overwhelming. And even the times of peaceful feeding at the stream were not enough to invigorate him to keep going in that ministry. His physical and emotional body was ready to be with God, and God granted him his request. God sent Elijah to Mount Horeb so he could speak to him. And you will notice that God did not speak through the powerful wind, earthquake, or fire, but in a whisper, and Elijah knew God's voice. It was in this whisper that God granted Elijah his request and assigned him to anoint Elisha. Now, there are a couple points for me to remember from this little lesson right here, that God does not always speak to me in the way that I expect. We need to familiarize ourselves with God's voice. I've shared in lessons before, and I believe it bears repeating that the voice of God can still come to us today. And an excellent way of knowing if it is God's voice speaking to us is that it will almost always directly contradict whatever fleshly desperation we are thinking and feeling. It will always line up with scripture and it will never validate selfish ambition or fleshly desires. Learn to recognize the whispers that God is speaking into you through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that you will learn to follow the path he is leading you on, just as I am learning every single day. I do believe God will protect us from going through too much. It may feel like you can get through it in the moment, but you will get to the other end a better person and stronger if you keep pressing into your faith. Sometimes what we're going through feels so overwhelming that we can't even see tomorrow. And sometimes, frankly, we may not want tomorrow to come because we're so afraid it will just be a repeat of the devastation that we have lived in. I want to encourage you to take time and 
press into God in these. I view it like this. I have three choices when I'm going through a battle that has me feeling like I'm driving in a blizzard of terrible circumstances that are out of my control. First, I can choose to fight like mad with the steering wheel and desperately try to force my own will upon the car and probably end up in a tragic accident of my own making. Second, I can throw my hands up in the air, curse God, lose my faith, and spiritually die. Or third, and this is what I'm trying to do every single day, I can let go of the wheel, close my eyes, and believe that no matter what happens, God will bring me out on the other side stronger and happier. Because happiness comes from inside of me not from my circumstances and not from any fleshly desire that I might be seeking. This wreck is not the end of my life, but the beginning of something I could have never believed possible. And I'm still not able to fully grasp and understand. And just like the prophet Elijah, if I have served God and held firm to my faith that he has a great plan and that I am only a small part of that plan, then one day he will allow me that rest I so desperately need. And God will appoint someone to have a double portion of whatever he has blessed me with. So his message will continue and more people will be saved. In my closing comments regarding this lesson, I want to mention that there is a lot of unrest in this world right now. The world has always been a corrupt and dangerous place. But now more than ever, it seems like a light has been cast on the evils of this world. And those evil things are now being proclaimed as good. This is a time when the hearts of many who were supposedly so on fire for God is growing cold. Even those who once appeared to be the greatest prophets and advocates of our Lord and Savior have turned their backs completely on him. And this is playing out publicly. However, God is rising up voices from across the world to speak truth. There is a stirring in the hearts of many who were once lost to evil and this woke world that is starting to really become exciting. Celebrities and YouTubers who once appeared fully engaged in fleshly things that led only to death are starting to speak out. A social media influencer that I've recently come across and have especially found um, truly inspirational is in watching the, the story of Ollie London, uh, who had a radical change in his heart when he found Jesus. He is a YouTuber and a social media influencer, and Ollie is spelled O-L-I, London. His story is a beautiful testimony of how Jesus can heal and bring happiness where the world can only bring death and destruction. I hope that you take the time to read first and second Kings in the old Testament and learn for yourself how incredible God truly is and how these things that happened so long ago are still lessons for us today.
This has been my story, which is still in the making. I can't wait to hear your story if you're willing to share it with me. Please email me anytime at formerpastorwife at outlook.com. I hope you will also look up my YouTube channel, Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife, where I share short inspirational videos with images and videos I've taken in my travels. The latest video on comfort was produced with images of my sweet boy, Bali, who has become a true comfort pet for me. I have confessedly been suffering through a lot of anxiety attacks over these past months. And my sweet pup has somehow started to figure out when I'm having one and he comes and places his head on my knee and I just stroke his head and it really gets me through it. And a few weeks ago, I noticed that he was coming over and putting his head on my knee before I even realized I was having an attack. God has blessed me greatly through this sweet little creature. And I wanted to share his funny face in my brief lesson on YouTube. I will attach a link to that video in the show notes for you to take a look. As always, I pray for each of you. And I ask that God blesses you as you go about your life this week.